This is the Cowboy Mike Show, episode two, and I'm Michael Lyden. Welcome to the show. I'm going to hope here that my computer works for the entire time today. I did forget when I said I was going to source. I could find it. Uh, if I do find, I'll. If I am gonna find it, I will find it when I have finished through the rest of today's stories. And we're gonna start this off with. Well, before I start the stories, actually, I'm gonna maybe schedule say something about how I might be scheduling this. It'll probably be every time I get home from work, which is on Monday, Wednesday. Friday and Saturday. Now on Monday and Wednesday, I should be home from work at like 10:30. I'll get my articles up. I might start, might actually uh, get the show out by 11 or 11:30. Get it published. But Friday and Saturday, I could get home anywhere from 10 to 11:30. So just keep an eye out. That'll be later. Most of the views of that will probably come in the morning. So just keep that in mind. It's not 100% sure. I get out whenever we're ready to get out. It's not a set time. So thank you for listening to that. And let's get on with it. Starting with a story that is interesting. The truckers in Canada. Now Canada is not the country I would be expecting to start a protest. Or at least not a big one, and definitely not one that doesn't back down like this one has. It's not something I expected from Canada, but it is something that I would say that I'm quite proud of. According to CNN, by Paul Newton, uh, the reporter, crowds of demonstrators joined rallies across Canada as the COVID trucker protests spread. Now, from... The western provinces of Alberta, moving east to Quebec City, in cities and towns, thousands of Canadians have hit the streets. This is what the article says, by the way. In trucks, tractors, cars, and on foot to protest the, all the nation's COVID restrictions. Now, this is something that I find very, very important. It's important that we look at what's going on in these other countries for us to fully understand what we might have to do in order to achieve the freedom that they're fighting for, and maybe in order to work with them to get freedom in both of our countries through our own protest, through similar protest, communication, talking to each other, and reporting the news so that people know that this kind of things happen, that this goes on, and that and what's going on here. Now, it comes down... To a simple fact, these restrictions aren't helping. And it comes to me that it's also been that they've been suppressed. This, These freedom convoy, it's been suppressed. And I am happy that it's spreading, and spreading a lot, very quickly, across Canada. More and more people are starting to do similar things. They're, prote- they're not just protesting the vaccine mandate anymore. They're also protesting restrictions in general it seems, according to this article, which was the main reason that I brought it up specifically instead of other articles, um, and because it's CNN, and I want to try to get my sources from both sides of the aisle so that I'm not entirely biased, though this is a fully opinionated show. 
Uh, here it says, where is it? Freedom Convoy was initially started by truckers protesting a recent mandate requirement. So yeah, the vaccine mandate. But others have joined the cause. So yeah, like I said, the other people joining in besides the original Freedom Convoy. Now this sets something different. It also sets a change in Canada. For a long time, Canada was a country that would just do what it, whatever people in charge said. But it seems that the Canadian people may have hit a breaking point, which is a good thing. Uh, I believe there's not even been any, any injuries in the country. I mean, not in the country, in the in the protest, to my knowledge. There might have been some when there was ice sheets all over the roads, but those would have, probably wouldn't have been connected to the, the protest, um, just because it's dangerous to drive at that time. Um, and then, yeah, so basically what's going on here is that there seem to be protests, and it's great, it's good. I, I can't stress that enough, that this is a good thing. And that I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Canada has has ended the vaccine mandate or the tax on it. Canada and I'm going to check this out. Canada ends tax on unvaccinated. Let's see that. Just to, I'm just making sure I have the source, so I'm not... Okay, not Canada, but Quebec scraps plan to tax the unvaccinated. Yeah, and that's according to the CBC. So, that is good. I'm not going to go in depth on that, but it means that they are winning. And freedom, freedom as a whole is winning. All of freedom needs to win. Freedom across the world. And in general, even in small cases, in small stories. If you were to maintain freedom in just your hometown, you just win one fight with a school board, one fight with a, a selectman in a small town, that's still a major victory. Because any victory for freedom is a victory for the American people. Any time that the government cannot overstep its bounds, is stopped from overstepping its bounds, is a victory for thousands of people in the future who this will set precedent for in a court case. And any victory at the local level could set precedent on a state level. And state level precedents could set a future precedent, could set more trials on the state level, could set future precedent on the national level. And it could, it could expand one small case, your small case, and your small town could set a precedent on a national level for generations to come that protects the in, these individual liberties. Now, when it comes down to it, it's still your decision whether to fight it. You may not have the money to fight it in court. You may not know if your reasoning is sufficient legally, even if it is morally. And that's why it's still your decision to fight this. But you should, but I, it's my personal recommendation that as long as it's possible for you to do that, you should and you must because freedom, freedom is something worth fighting for in all cases. Well, not like the freedom to rape or anything like that, but freedom as a general rule or a little thumb. 
Sometimes it might not be necessary. Sometimes it might be pretty bad in some cases. But almost always, you should fight for it. And on the topic of this, um, people suppressing freedom. The government suppressing freedom. Well, it comes down... Here's a, we have another article here by Fox News here, uh, written by Timothy Nerosi. GoFundMe backtracks on redistributing money for Canadian truckers under threat of fraud investigation. Uh, Ron DeSantis, I believe, is the one who threatened the yes, facing a potential fraud investigation by the state of Florida. So... Ron DeSantis, or probably ordered by Ron DeSantis, I would assume. I do. I very much like DeSantis. I'll give you that. I'm a little biased on the issue. Uh, but when it comes down to it, it doesn't matter if I'm biased on the issue because I'm biased on it either way. I'm a fan of freedom in general, and it's important that we say that we don't just need freedom from the state because, well, this is where me and many of my libertarian Supporters, or not supporters, because I'm not big, but people who I also agree with who are libertarian, where we diverge. Um, it's freedom from a corporation, or oppression by a corporation is just as much a break of freedom than oppression by the state. Which is why I'm not a full-scale anarchist. Because I believe that we have to... Because if we had maintained anarchy, and we can't go crazy. We can't go crazy. We have to remain moderate enough. Because if we maintain anarchy, who will be in charge? Well, no one, but, well, until they are. No one until they are. In anarchy, you can't maintain that freedom. Someone's just going to retake power. And the most likely case is corporations. Corporations which have repeatedly sold out to people like the Chinese Communist Party sold out to liberal liberal democracy liberal hegemony the UN NATO sold out to the European Union when they imposed their restrictions on what should be played and not played on the internet censorship is common from these companies companies that force people not to speak out companies that oppress you that oppress your views, disable your ability to act freely, that is just as bad as any government that does so. We have to work towards freedom from both private and public entities. Freedom, it doesn't mean no private entities, and it doesn't mean no public entities, but it means that we need to constantly fight, constantly rebel, in order to maintain the freedom we have, in order to grow the freedom we have from these organizations, we need to be like a, a metal bar that connects, or more like a, a rope, a rope on or a string on a yo-yo. See the yo-yo, you you let it, you let it drop, and imagine that drop is the government exerting its authority. The further it goes, the more authority that they've exerted. The string not only stops it from going too far, but pulls it back when it goes too far. It'll bounce back up. Bungee cord, yo-yo, same kind of concept. 
and it will be a con constant struggle as authoritarianism, as government regulation pushes us down. Those who are willing to fight for freedom must pull us up and keep it up for as long as they can. It'll be a constant battle our entire lives for the rest of our lives and for our families' lives for generations to come. That is the only way that freedom can properly be maintained because if we fully win, if we fully abolish all ways that they could oppress us, well then for that to happen there'd have to be no state and from that we would just get feudal warlords. And that is just as bad. There is no true solution, I guess, besides constantly fighting. Constantly fighting to get to the level we're comfortable with and constantly fighting to maintain it. Because whenever people are in power, they will always try to impose that power. So we'll have to constantly fight to maintain the level that we as people, we as people who support freedom and individual liberty must, are comfortable with maintaining. The, what we want, the amount of freedom that is really the middle ground, but enough freedom to do everything that we could want besides to violate other people's rights, you could say. And that is where we need to be, what we need to get to. For up to me, and I don't want to dictate the world, but just as a pure preference, we would still we would be living out in the woods, separated from each other, not well, cl not fully separated, close enough that we could all communicate, but separated enough where we all have our own separate lives, woods, hunting, fishing, living our lives that way. But we can't, we can't do that because there's big urban cities. And they will, they'd all die. They wouldn't be accustomed to it. And we also can't force that on people. It has to be their decision. But a world like that would be truly free. Because in that case, it'd be so difficult to oppress people, to oppress your neighbor, that it would not be worth the effort. Not only would it... We see this in rural areas where it's very rare that there's consistent thieves in rural areas. Or that your house gets burgled. If your houses are so separate down long dirt roads, it's very—it's not common that someone's going to break in. And if everyone is armed, which is the big thing, is that everyone should be armed. We should—I recommend everyone go out if you—if you can purchase a firearm, handle it safely, of course, and use it responsibly. But try to make sure that you have one if you can, if that's a possibility. Make sure you have it. Make sure you always have enough ammo for an emergency situation. And make sure that every single person at your house is either not a government official or has a warrant. Always. Without fail. I don't care if it's the mailman. If the mailman wants to come to your door, tell him to get a warrant. Everyone. Because they're all fence or staties. Every single one of them. And they may not be actively trying to pursue you in that moment, but they all have the capacity to. They all have the capacity to be told 
by their bosses. Hey, you know, this person, they might be a, a dissident. You should keep an eye on them. That, I would not put it above the government to have people do that. I'm not saying they are now, but we have to look towards the future as well. Now, we're going down a path where that could happen one day, where these people are told, hey, you must keep an eye on these people, on, keep an eye on this guy and that guy. Most people should be fine. We'll keep an eye on those two. And we already here have these campaigns. We've had them since 9-11. Uh, we've had these campaigns to get people to rat out each other's neighbors, like the Soviet Union. Like the KGB, or I think it's the KGB. Whichever one, secret police, the other one was spies. I think it was two separate agencies. The ones that were secret police in the Soviet Union, just like they're starting to do socially. Now, they're not enforcing it governmentally, but they're certainly promoting it socially. I had an ad once by the Bureau for National Defense or Homeland Homeland Security. An ad, the whole idea was around snitching, ratting your neighbor. And we all know what happens to snitches. You say snitches get stitches. That's not true. That's too easy. Snitches, they end up in ditches. And that's a fact. Especially those who snitch on their neighbors for nothing but an opinion. And now, I had, like I was saying, I had an advertisement from from the National Department of Homeland Security on YouTube that said... And I was just trying to listen to my music. Nothing serious. It was um, Willie Nelson, actually. Uh, he's amazing. But National Department of Homeland Security said in the ad that this person suspected their neighbor of being involved with January 6th. The big boogeyman. The people who walked around a building for a couple hours and then left. It suspected them of being involved. And the reason it suspected them of being involved was because they had a sign that said stop the steal or stop stealing the election. Now, do I believe the election was stolen? No. Personally, I don't think it was stolen. At least with the evidence I currently have. But I am open to having my mind changed. But then it said that they reported this person to national security, to homeland security. You know, the federal government. And had that person investigated. They, they were promoting this in an advertisement. They were promoting a culture. Where they act. Like these KGB agents. And the Soviet Union. Who report. To the government. That someone might be a dissident. They're promoting that as a culture. They're not enforcing it. But they're promoting it. In cultural enforcement is just as powerful as governmental enforcement. A lot of people don't understand that. They think, well, it's just societal pressure. It's not, no one's getting arrested. Societal pressure can cause just as many problems as governmental pressure. It doesn't have to be institutional or systemic. It doesn't have to. Another thing, even, we have to remember, as we fight these lockdowns like they're doing in Canada, and like many people are doing here in these United States, 
it is important to recognize that the culture matters as well. We can say as many facts as you want. I have some facts right here from Fox News again. This one by Shiv Sud Sudhakar. I'm sorry for mispronouncing that. It it's not a last name that I can easily pronounce. A John Hopkins study reignites COVID lockdown debate. Now I could bring up all of these facts, uh, where it says should be rejected out of hand. Lockdowns only reduce COVID death rate by two by 0.2 percent. Our study shows the benefit of lockdowns in terms of fewer deaths are questionable and small. Jonas Herbie, special advisor to the Center for Political Studies in Copenhagen, Denmark, told Fox News is Fox News Herbie's research focus on law and economics, and he's the co-author of the study. Things like this, these are studies, they're, fa they're evidence. And we can point to all of that evidence. And still, there is cultural institution, not even federal institution. A lot of the time, we don't see the government actually show up. Because, and I don't think it's because they're merciful, I think it's because they know that there will be just as much cultural enforcement as there is federal. But I think we can go back to the trucker protests in Canada, Canada being a country that has always just allowed and accepted rule of law without question. We can go back to that and we can see very clearly, very evidently, that they are losing their grip on cultural enforcement. They're losing it. Even CNN, now I, I should probably have I even knew I wanted to talk about this, but I didn't bring up a source, and I don't know why. I'm going to bring one up now while I'm talking. Even CNN is starting to lose when it comes to cultural enforcement. Even CNN is starting to turn a different direction. It says here, well, I'll, you know, I'll go right back to this, and I'm, while I'm talking about a different story, I will type this in. Or... No, I'll keep I'll keep going with this. CNN's Jeff Zucker has retired. Why? Because he slept with someone. He slept with a staffer from a Democratic Party official. With Chris Cuomo or yeah. Okay, no, he slept with Chris Cuomo's uh, staffer, something along those lines. Which puts him in bed with Chris Cuomo's brother, Andrew Cuomo, figuratively in bed. Andrew Cuomo, DNC, Democratic National Committee, and especially in New York, which we already knew. He is the arm of the Democratic Party, and Jeff Zucker's replacement is... Oh, fuck you. I'm, uh, why are you doing this to me, computer? Well, he's, I believe, Jeff Zucker's replacement is a Trump supporter. Now, I'm not the biggest Trump guy. I'm really not. I like him better than the other candidates, but I'm not the biggest Trump guy. I'm not a Republican. I'm a Libertarian. Uh, little L, Libertarian. Libertarian parties, just another shills. They're, like I said, I diverge from most Libertarians when I go down the route that enforcement by companies is just as bad as enforcement by the state. And the, well, the Libertarian Party doesn't seem to think that. 
and I can't be a part of that. But when it comes down to it, I'm not a big drum guy, but I believe Jeff Zucker's replacement is, in fact, drum support. So, Jeff Zucker replacement. Do sorry for the silence. I'm just making sure this is the well. I okay. I can't find the article, but Jeff Zucker's replacement is, or his most one of his more likely replacements is a Trump supporter. And uh, several of the CNN hosts came out. I believe one of them was it Anderson Cooper or someone else. I think maybe he said something. I believe said that um he said something, and then someone else said something else. I'm going to say both the statements at, to my memory because the computer is still not functioning properly. Um, one of them said, without Jeff Zucker, CNN would be Fox News light. And another one said that it would just be, someone else said, another major guy there said um, something about, yes, it would be bland and boring news. Now, bland and boring news sounds like something that you might want. Just the news. Just the facts. Bland and boring. But he said this like it was a bad thing. And the other one was also saying it like it was a bad thing. That it would be Fox News Light. Now, that that's a little, um, that's a little bad. Yeah, Fox News is definitely biased. And... Fox News Light would also be biased. I think they more mean to a lesser extent, which lesser extent might be somewhere in the middle then, which would be good. Better somewhere in the middle might be good, but that depends on how it was meant. Um, it comes to me that these people, they think it's a good thing for the media to be this way, for the media to be shielded in one direction. One thing I definitely have to say is fire Brian Stelter, but he's an idiot, and his his show is called Reliable Sources, and that's the best joke I've ever heard. The only reliable source he has is the all-you-can-eat buffet. It's the only thing reliable about him is that you'll find him there. And his reliable idiocy. One of the dumbest people in... In, on the news that I've ever heard. But, yeah. So, when it comes down to the straight facts, this might be a good thing. Having someone who has openly said they believe CNN is too biased and should go down, that's a good thing. Should be more, that's a good thing. And having them in charge would be great. Now, I don't know if he's going to be the replacement, but I know he's one of the higher-ups who might. That's that's great. That's That shows 
that we are slowly, slowly winning, slowly but surely winning in the cultural enforcement area. That we are beginning to take back media institutions. We are creating culture and recreating culture. We're retaking culture. In 1776, the culture was freedom. That's what it would be. Throughout a large amount of American history, the culture was freedom. But today, the culture is the state. The culture is obedience. And the lot of people like to act like they're rebelling. They dye their hair funny colors. And they say, I'm rebelling. They're not. They're being obedient. Today's, they're being obedient. Because that's what everyone's doing. Today's America is a nation of followers who think that they're leaders. That's what it is. And it's not how we want it. We need a nation of leaders, a nation of people who each go their own way, but not an, and we don't need the followers. I'm not saying get rid of the followers. There can be followers if they want to, if people want to be followers. But we need the majority of our nation to be leaders. And in today's America, almost all of the people are followers who think they're leaders, which may be worse than just a follower. A follower is honest. They think, yeah, well, I heard this here. I think it's true. And they go with it. But a follower who thinks she's a leader, or they're a leader, or he's a leader, pushes the culture in a certain direction. They say, look, it's cool to rebel. It's cool to do what I'm doing because I'm rebelling. And then you get more followers because they think, oh, that's what rebelling means. Instead of rebelling their own way, rebelling against authority again people who truly people who want to rebel against authority who want to rebel against what's going on who want freedom will look at that and think that's what freedom is that's what it means to rebel against freedom from a young age they'll look at that that's what it means to fight for freedom and either it'll turn them off because it's a lot of it's completely illogical or it will make them do the same when they start to fight for freedom. They'll dye their hair funny colors. And that's why we have the social justice warrior left. The progressive TikTok influencers. Who think, they think they're leaders. But they're just following. And that's what they'll always be. Followers. It's how it is. It's how they work. It's how they always. It's how they are. But they're pushing people who would be leaders, who would rebel, into thinking that that's how they should rebel. Because they think they're rebelling. So when counterculture becomes the predominant culture, then it's no longer a counterculture. But these people seem to think that they've maintained the fact that they're a counterculture. And so anyone who wants to be independent and separate will look to them because they maintain that they're counterculture. Well, in the modern day, counterculture is those truly liberty-minded individuals. Counterculture is those who don't want lockdowns, who don't want mandates, who don't want 
gun control. Now, you used to be the counterculture because to do the opposite, because the majority of society wanted it. We didn't want mandates or lockdowns or gun control. But now, it seems to be a lesser extent. Now, we're growing. We're getting better. We're winning. When it comes down to whose side is moving farther, whose side is pushing the other side into actually accepting these things, we're winning inch by inch, one inch at a time. They are losing. We may be taking two steps forward and one step back, but at least we're going a step forward. They're being pushed back, and they'll continue to be pushed back until this is over, until we've won, because we are on the right side. We fight for freedom and individual liberty, and how could that be wrong? How could it? How could it be wrong to want people to be able to speak their mind, to have that right? It, how could it? It doesn't make any sense to me that anyone could believe that. Why? Why would anyone believe that that could be wrong? It just, it doesn't make sense to me why people can be so willing to accept security over freedom. Why are they willing? If you could tell me, that would be wonderful. I know that they want to feel safe. But how can you feel safe knowing that if you say something you believe in, you could have your life destroyed? How can you feel safe knowing that? It's counteractive to their point. It's counteractive to their values. If their value is that they would like a government that would make them feel safe, then they wouldn't want society to be able to shut them down immediately. Or anyone else. Because if they can do it to one person, they can do it to everyone. And that's, that's just how it is. How can, how can you feel safe? It doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm sorry for lingering on this point. But it just, it doesn't make sense. Are they incorrect? Are they just dumb? I don't think so. I don't think the world is full of idiots. I think the world is full of people who are misled. But I don't think the world is full of idiots. You have to, at a point you have to come to that conclusion. And I think maybe that's what's happening. The people are coming to this conclusion. More and more people are in opposition As more and more people come to our side, as we start to win, maybe that's exactly what's happening. Maybe they're exactly coming to the conclusion that I have been saying in my real life. And now that I have this, this show, on the show, the conclusion that you can't feel safe when anyone can come and barge in at any moment. That's important. It really is. And I'm sorry to take this more freedom, expression, oriented thing and move towards something more entertaining. But 
I did really want to talk about this yesterday. I didn't have the article, and I thought that I needed the article since it's much more science-based. So I'm going to have to make a more abrupt switch here. Alex Jones. We all laughed at him when he said they were turning the frogs gay. I laughed with you because it sounded ridiculous. And it is ridiculous. The idea that they're turning the frogs gay. And I think maybe he was dramatizing it from what I've found. Yet it's kind of happening. Just it's a little fact check to everyone who said, oh, this is absurd. It is absurd. He dramatized it. I'll give you that. But I I did some research just for the fun of it. Actually, I think the research started because when I was younger, I, I watched the show Wild Kratts. And it mentioned that there were chemical changes in frogs due to their permeable skin uh, that could change their genetic makeup and cause severe deformities. Now, if including like two legs, six eyes, stuff like that. And when I was hearing how absurd this was, and I, I, I believe I went full along with it. It's absurd. It's crazy. But after a while of making the joke, I started to remember that show that I watched when I was a child and how it said that and how it talked about that. And the, the Krat brothers who are in the show, I know they're both real zoologists and biologists with degrees and done all this stuff. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe it's possible. I don't think it's a conspiracy, but maybe it's possible that this is happening from balloons. And I think, yes, that's definitely what it is. Not really homosexuality, but how something that could be interpreted by that at first glance or not by knowing much about it or something that could be dramatized that way by him not fully understanding the concept. So this is more of a defense for him and more... Well, not really a defense, more just an entertainment thing that we could chop, put this in the, the box of how many times Alex Jones has been right about something we all called him crazy for. It's a big box. So I keep a little jar. And every single time Alex Jones has been right about something that we all thought was absurd, I put a dollar in the jar. At the end of the year, I'm going to donate all of that to InfoWars. Again, I'm not the biggest fan of the content, but I think it's an entertaining concept because he's been right about a lot of weird shit. So I'm just going to pull that up right here from a place called Catalyst. And you know this isn't like some right-wing Alex Jones favoring source because one of the immediate subtitles for the site called Catalyst, or the, the people doing this research, is feminism. It says Catalyst, Feminism, Theory, Technoscience. So it doesn't sound like a, a right-wing site. Uh, from Logan Natalie O'Laughlin of Duke University, Troubling Figures, Endocrine Disruptors, Intersex Frogs, and the Logics of Environmental Science. Basically, to summarize the article, they are creating transgender frogs. And intersex frogs, both of them, frogs that started with a with uh, testicles and grew ovaries, or the other way around, and frogs that have other issues. And it's mo it's not like a conspired effort, but it's pollutants in the water that's doing this, mostly accidental. I would say I don't think this is intentional. 
uh, David Skelly found that frog populations living in manicured suburban ponds have a high female-to-male sex ratio and higher rates of frogs who are intersex, both of which are described as creepy and bizarre in interviews. Um, Hayes' creative performance style, which incorporates rhyme and comedy, has helped popularize inflammatory language about intersex frogs and make this toxic animal figure all the more compelling. Well, yeah, uh, that seems to be more feminist type of calling it a, a toxic image of intersex frogs. I think it's more saying that it's creepy and bizarre that the pollutants are doing this to the frog. Is more like it. Yeah, uh, touchstone broader anxieties about pesticide effects on sex and sexuality. It's no surprise that environmental anxiety has been picked up by right-wing extremists. Such as, yeah, there you go. Actually mentions Alex Jones. It's no surprise that environmental anxiety has been picked up by right-wing extremists such as Alex Jones. Yep, this is a def- you can tell that this is not in favor of him, who asserts governments are putting chemicals in the water to turn the frogs gay. Yeah, that's not what's happening, but it seems dramatized and complicated. Feminist contest. Yeah, but it doesn't say. He- the main point here is that in-, in nowhere does it contest that this is true. Well. It contests that the government is doing it, but it can, doesn't contest that the frogs, this is happening to frogs. It only, this study, which is a left-wing study, only contests of the language being used. It says, feminist and queer environmental scholars have contested this kind of language for its implicit slandering of being queer, trans, or intersex. Uh, few have spent time deconstructing this figure as colonial underpinnings. Yeah, so here throughout all of it, it doesn't contest that these pollutants in the water could be causing, could or even are or could really coming up with or explaining these high rates of transgender and intersex frogs. And it did say queer, which is I think a form of homosexuality maybe. I'm not sure. So that could be the homosexual part. Um, yeah, it just talks about how this is the fault of European settlers and and how it's all racist and sexist, but it doesn't contest through all of this that it's happening to these animals. The main problem here is... Yeah, the main problem in granting white settler ideologies in public farming cultures, that's not the issue. The issue here is that there are pollutants in the water that are affecting these frogs. And we we shouldn't be doing that. Now, sometimes these pollutants are necessary in order to provide for humanity. For us to provide for ourselves. But I think that as people, we should try to do better than that. I'm not saying big government overreach to stop this, but... You should do private pressure. Or private pressure that tell these people hey I won't be buying your stuff if you're gonna do this now obviously look into it first is it really worth it is it gonna how badly will it affect you is this some sort of necessary evil look into that first but if if you come to the conclusion that it's not then put pressure on them not to do that but again it's not the I'm not trying to push something with this bit it's more just a laugh, per se, at, what, uh, at why we 
that even some of Alex Jones' most crazy theories seem to be coming true. Now, I, I'm not saying that Hillary Clinton's a lizard. I'm not even implying it. I want to make that very clear. As much as I believe that she's, that she's crazy, that she might have ordered some murders, and that the Clinton family is extraordinarily corrupt, and that I have no intention of committing suicide if this ever gets big, I don't believe she's a lizard. I don't believe she's an alien. And I don't believe that she's a robot. No. I believe she's a piece of shit. And I believe that Bill Clinton was definitely, in the words of um, the very good comedian, um, What's his name here? I'm sorry, I just, it's, I know it, but, Norm MacDonald, yeah, I knew his name, just wasn't coming off my mouth, so I had to, you know, uh, according to, in the words of Norm MacDonald, when it came down to, uh, O.J. Simpson's civil trial, I believe wholeheartedly, Bill Clinton wanted to see just how much it would cost to murder your wife, because she's that bad, so is he, he's bad too, and, well, the children are bad. The children are corrupt. I believe Chelsea Clinton, I believe, don't... They were word for which one it was. One of their children had Ghislaine Maxwell on as one of the maids of honor at her wedding. And... Or the bridesmaids. I believe. Um, Ghislaine Maxwell, the sidekick to Jeffrey Epstein in Pedophile Island. And that's the... That's a factual statement. It's been proved many times that pedophile was a thing. That's not a conspiracy. Now, there are some theories about him, some of which are definitely untrue, some of which definitely are, it's in the fact that Epstein certainly did not kill himself. But some of the theories aren't true, some of them are. It's kind of hard to immediately debunk a theory about a man who owned an island in which the rich and famous commit pedophilia. That's the main thing, is at that point, almost anything can seem reasonable. And I am going on a little long, but it's also, it, they, I think they killed McAfee. I really do. And, but yeah, she's not a lizard. I want to specify that. Neither is most of the other famous people that he claims are lizards. And there are not literal vampire pot-bellied goblins hobbling around Seattle. Now, there's people who certainly look like that hobbling around Seattle, but I want to make sure that he knows that those were not real goblins. They're just lefties on Twitter. And that'll be it for today's show. I've reached almost 46 minutes. I'll probably be 46 by the time I'm done here. Keep up for other show the next show and I actually for a little bit of news I've been talking to a friend of mine who has some very passionate opinion about pandas and other species that will be on not the next show but at some point in the near future we haven't fully decided how we're going to do this and I want to ask everyone to share this 
with whoever they think might want to hear it. Actually, I might include something about sharing at the beginning, too. Might add that in. Because, well, we can only grow if people share this. The word, the words that I'm saying, the words that, well, again, this is only if you want this to spread and to share it. But what I'm saying can only grow and reach, reach out, if people fight for it. If people push things, if people fight for their freedom, and that also includes the spreading of information. So you should all start your own shows if you want. If you think that you have something to say, say it. Find some method of saying it like I did. And if you don't want to do that, if you don't think that you could handle starting your own show, share this one or share other like-minded people. People that you think need to be shared. If someone coming across this hasn't seen them before, I recommend Tim Pool. He's, him and his crew are amazing at what they do. They're people that I very much support wholeheartedly. In Freedom Tunes, I'd recommend them. I'd recommend those two are the main ones, really. There are others, but those two are the main ones that I'd really recommend as good sources. Good people who have good things to say. And that will be, yeah, it's, it's actually 40. I might just keep it to 50 just to make it an even number. Because I get a little annoyed with the weird numbers sometimes. So, or, well, I maybe I might just find another story real quick, bring it to an hour. That might be nice. I could say it's an hour-long show. Um, yeah. Actually, maybe I'll try to keep it around an hour in general. Let's see. I have a few that I didn't end up choosing. No, you know what? Let's just end it here. I don't want to push this longer than it has to be. I said what I need to say for the day. Have a good night, everybody. And stay safe on the roads if it's icy still where you are. I know it is here.